What up, y'all? This is Amani, and you are now listening to The Ville Radio Show on Pure Radio. Yo, what's going on? This is The Ville Radio Show coming at you. This is your boy, Jay Giulioli's in the building. I got my man, you know what I'm saying, my right hand. Shirk Dog is in the building. What's up? It's our second episode. We're glad to be here with you. Shout out to Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. Um, yo, I big, I man Big Phil or whatever. He's a little bit under the weather or whatnot, you know what I'm saying? So he ain't going to be here with us today. What's he got? I don't know. He got, you know, last time I seen him, he had one of those little masks on and all that. He's looking real, real vexed up or whatever. Real so, Asian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, straight up. I heard so. he's sick with it. And by it, I mean influenza. Yeah, see, something like that. He got, yeah. I don't know what it is, but anyway, I won't be hugging him or shaking his hand for a while, whatever. So, people, if y'all out there, pray for our homeboy, Big Philly Illies, all right? He's he, he a gangster, though. It'll be all right. So, yeah, listen, right. man, Shirk Dog, what's cracking, man? It's our second episode. Numero dos. Yeah, numero dos. How'd you feel about the first one? Yo, I mean, we finished it. We, we got it done. It. We got it done. <laughs> and uh, we actually got some response. We got know? some good responses. Heck yeah. We, we we got a little good criticism too that we, we needed. We needed the criticism. You know I saying? personally got a lot of criticism, like needing an upgrade of a third host. Like, you know, but that's Tommy okay. Tommy Turnbuckle wrote that fan letter and he said he wasn't necessary. I banned him from all of our stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we're I, good. He loves me and Phil. I, I love Tommy. Yeah. Shout out jerk. to you, Tommy Turn, Turnbuckle. Hope you're not listening. Um, yeah, you know, we had a little bit of sound issues, but it's all good. We got those fixed. We back in, we back in. We're the back. Now. People can hear my voice now. Straight up, for real. I don't know if that's a good thing. It's a good thing. All right. You, you have a great voice. You really, really do. I appreciate that. You know, I will say this. Me and my wife were talking. We were listening to you on the radio. We were like, Jeremy sounds whiter than he ever did on the radio. Are you turning up your whiteness on, on the radio? Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like you turned the volume of, of it up a little bit. Never. <laughs> All right. All right, so listen, real quick, man, before we jump into days, just whole deal or whatever we're going to get into. Yeah. Um, yeah, you went to a bachelor party this week. Yeah, man. I wasn't. Tell me about that. Let Bro, people know. This bachelor party, okay, so I'm 31 years old. I've been to a few bachelor parties, and I didn't know how this one was going to go. You know, I'm an associate pastor now. Um, I'm different than when I was in my 20s, early 20s specifically. Yeah. But this bachelor party, um, six people came, and there were three Christians. And I've heard about some of the stuff you've done at parties. Yeah. Which are, is pretty infamous. And, uh, yeah. So we won't go into some of the shameful acts. It's, it's, the, wrong, it's the wrong radio show for that, All and right. the wrong station. But listen to this. So three Christians show up, three non-Christians show up. But this isn't your normal three non-Christians. These are like sales guys where they're like fast cars, fast money, fast women, like crazy. Like one of the guys when he got there was like, hey, I just actually went to a bachelor party last weekend and everyone was doing coke. And so that set the standard for like, what are we doing this bachelor party? And so, you know, my Christian brothers and I were looking at each other like, we don't have have any idea where this is going. Y'all are like, are we going to have to do crack this party? What's going on? Do it all for the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. We're not endorsing so, that. So you were some wild <laughs> boys. Say no to crack. Some wild, some wild boys. Yeah. And it was weird, man. We had this weird feeling in the air and like we're getting to know each other and we're starting to bump up a little bit because, you know, there's some lines yeah. that they want to cross and we're not going to cross. And then there's some lines that we want to cross, like actually getting to know them and their story that they've never crossed. Yeah. So weird tension all throughout the uh, at the beginning at least but then we started to mesh and we just started to hang and the craziest thing happened Saturday night instead of like going to a strip club or whatever they wanted to do man we actually talked with these guys and there was one guy specifically tatted up crazy been divorced twice engaged again um, he was telling me a story how he went to Vegas uh, a few years back because he made a sale and dropped $60,000 in three days. $30,000 on one night in drinks alone with Playboy bunnies. Wow. Okay. So I'm talking to this guy. Yeah. And we just keep talking, and he's almost pleading with me at one point to tell me why God would allow his grandfather to be battling with cancer for eight years. Like, not 
pointing at me being like God is evil. Yeah. But pleading with me to give me the answer for me to give him the answer. Yeah. Why he's struggling with that. And so, man, we were having this conversation and I mean, he's crying like the hardest guy. Right. Like this guy. I don't know. It was just so crazy. And he's crying because he's remembering when he was younger, he used to be in youth group and it was his favorite thing in the world. Mm. Like he said, they used to do these lock-ins at youth group where they'd be in the church and he'd be looking at these cathedrals and someone would be playing like Dave Matthews on the piano. Yeah. And he's like, I never felt closer with God. But then all of a sudden when he got older in high school, the youth group leader left all of a sudden, like a very weird situation, but he found out that he was with one of the girls in the youth group. Wow. And then when he got to college, like the lead girl in the youth group, someone showed him that she became a porn star. He's like, oh, so everyone was just faking. Wow. Then I guess it was fake. Yeah. And so then there was this downward spiral and that led him into a lot of weird places. But, man, it was awesome. Like, I, it couldn't have gone any better because we were we were praying with him yeah. and praying for him. And, I mean, he has a daughter that he feels really responsible for, which is awesome. Yeah. And he wants to love her well. And it's like, yo, you have a father's heart, but what you don't know is the father's heart for you. Yeah, yeah. And so you want to love your daughter well? Yeah. But you can't even love her well until you know how much the father loves you. Yeah, yeah. And, man, I was just wrecking his world. Man, I think that's so gangster, man, because, like, it, it's easy with, with the way you started off for people to even be listening right now and be like, oh, one of those guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it goes very well into what we're going to even talk about in the next episode, in the next uh, part of this, this, uh, this uh, you know, show. But – Man, like we've missed so many opportunities to lead people like in the gospel and to step in kind of the difficult conversations and the mm-hmm. difficult situations or whatever yeah. and like not knowing what God has waiting for us and for, for the people we're standing in front of. Like, yeah. I mean, there's no telling the impact you could have had on that dude's life by just going through that because right. you he's probably like, come on, how many Christians are probably in a circle? You're going to throw 60 Gs. One over in Vegas with Playboy Bunnies, you ain't hanging with too many Christians at no. all. You keep them out of your circle, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that had to be a tremendous just really moment for him. And it was a battle because what was crazy was I was, like, starting to get sick. And during the weekend, like, I lost my voice twice. Mm-hmm. Like, it it seemed like that's where it was headed, but then all of a sudden I'm battling myself. I There was par- parts of the bachelor party where I was using sign language to say yes or no to the guys because I'm like, I can't talk anymore. Oh, yeah. And so, like, Saturday night, I was about to – I was thinking, I'm like, I got to crash early because I need to get better. But then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, well, I can crash early, but this guy right now, it seems like this is where it's going, so I'm going to go with it. And I don't know. It was crazy. God bless that time. And I'm just – it got me on fire, actually. That's dope. So, no – so y'all didn't do any coke or anything at all? No. I mean, we had some Coca-Cola. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to hear y'all did not get crazy and God actually used you in that situation. Tell me about this other thing you talked to me about earlier, uh, Justice for Jerry. Yeah, man. So I was was, uh, getting coffee today, and um, what's the place up here in Springfield? In Springfield? Yeah, the coffee place. No one knows? All I know is Bolvin, brother. You already know how I I know you know. It's, It's the... And Vagabond, too. I mess with Vagabond also. Okay, well, I can't shout them out then because I can't remember, and everyone's telling us what it is on the radio as they're hearing this. But I So I walk in, and they have all this get justice for Jerry stuff. So I asked the lady taking my order. I'm like, hey, what's, what's the justice needed for Jerry? And she's like, Jerry was my nephew, and he got killed. I'm like, man, I'm really sorry to hear that. Mm. Um, I'm like, how long ago did that happened? And she said, about a year ago, uh, we just had the, a wake that was a one-year anniversary. I'm like, oh, man, that's terrible. Like, what happened to him? Three layers. Three layers. Boom. Yeah. That's it. Shout out three I didn't layers. I connected with Jerry and the whole deal. I know you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, she was like, yeah, so basically he was um, in Grand Park coming out of a church, and yeah. he was in the choir, and he got in his car, and I someone went this. by, sprayed a, the car or whatever, and they're still trying to figure out who did it. And they, they said, or she told me that the police told her that it was, they got to the point where they said it's a mistaken identity issue yeah and i was like well we don't want to know the reason we want to know the person yeah you know that's the part of getting justice she's like exactly and she said what's worse is that it was he was an only child and his mom died six months later because she just stopped eating and sleeping wow she just missed him so much and was so grieved by it wow that she just died six months later and it 
it rattled my whole day, man. Yeah. Like I'm trying to like think through that and just the idea of loving something that much, yeah. someone that much where yeah. they die and that you can't even exist. You know, I remember when that actually happened, and I just remember, like, I, I, you know, every now and then I run up in three layers, too. I should have added them to my list of coffee spots. I mess with three layers. and um, But I just remember, you know, like, it, you know, like we hear about people getting killed all the time. Yeah. But then there's those times when somebody gets killed, and you see how it vibrates through the community, like, where you're like, you have to go, who in the world was this person, and, you know, what was it about them that they had this much impact on the community? And I remember hearing about him and just going like, man, this kid really, really made his mark in this community. Yeah. And one thing I heard about him is that he loved God, loved the gospel, um, and he loved working at Three Layers. And everybody I, I know that came in contact with him loved him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so not even really knowing him like that, I'm sure I've crossed his path, but it made me just even grieve to hear it because, you know, it's just – it's a huge loss. Yeah, man. Let me ask loss. you a question, Jay, because yeah. this is – I'm new to this realm where people, like, kind of rally together for someone getting killed yeah. or something like that. Like, what does it mean when – so they want to get justice for Jerry. Yeah. Right? Which is even crazy. That's your name, uh, by the way. D. So well, top, yeah, it's top secret until now, but it's Yeah, all good. it's out there. Yeah, yeah. Jerry is his official name. Yeah, so yeah. if you know him well, call him Jerry. Call me that when I see you in the streets, I'm going to punch you in the nose <laughs> and ask for repentance. Um, so basically, how many times, one, how many times do you actually see people get justice? And two, what does that actually look like? Yeah. You know, like when do you feel satisfied that justice was had? Because I, when I was walking out, I said, she said, you know, like maybe it'll never happen. I said, well, at the end of the day, we all can trust that vengeance is to the Lord. Yeah. And Ultimately, that's the ultimate justice. Whoever did it is going to face the Lord one day face to face and have to be accountable for what they've done. But here on earth, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that I think you're right when it comes to trusting the Lord or whatever. That's what you have to rest in in those moments, in those situations when you don't have the actual perpetrator. You know what I'm saying? And so but I think in the context of what we're talking about when they're saying we want justice, I think that for everybody, it's just this void in this hurt that can't be satisfied when you don't know um the answer to who's responsible um i don't even it's i don't even think it's always a make somebody pay for this Mm -hmm. um and i don't even think it always has to be a a vengeful or a spiteful thing but it's the grieving that comes when you don't know and you have so many mothers in the city or whatever that have babies that are just gone and they know nothing about why who or what um, mm. is on the other end of that. And I think that causes a whole other type of grieving outside of the grieving of just merely, you know, the passing of a child. Yeah. And so I think when people are asking for justice, I think they are from a judicial standpoint, right. but also from just a standpoint of um, an answer to that grieving in their heart also. So, so have you ever met someone or been a part of a movement like that um, that has received justice? And celebrated that together? Um, I would say I don't think I have any partners that have been like shot and we didn't we didn't know who did it. Mm-hmm. I've I've had a lot of friends fall. Yeah. Um and I've had a lot of friends or people that I would even call like people that I know but not really, really know. But as far as people I know know, mm-hmm. like I've always known who did it or what the situation was, yeah. um and, and stuff like that, whatever. So not necessarily in that context, I wouldn't say so, you know. Cool. Yeah, it's it's just something I keep thinking of because I saw it and I'm like, when when he's, when she said this thing about, you know, that the mother died six months later, it was like, it took it to a whole nother level yeah. for me personally. Yeah. And I was like, what would it mean for me to actually stand with them to get justice for Jerry? Yeah. Like, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's something I'm wrestling with because it just happened today. Yeah. You know, I, it makes me think of the word when it says, like, to, to basically mourn with those that mourn. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes, like, that's all we can do with people or for people is actually um, is really share with them in the pain that they're going through and, yeah. and everything else or whatever. So um, I, j- I remember when I was younger, whatever, one of my best friends got, um, got shot. Um, and he got shot by a guy who was in our neighborhood, an older guy. 
and I remember, like, you know, I would be at their house all the time, and so I remember going over his house, and his mother, like, hearing her just in the room screaming and crying and everything, mm -hmm. and I remember I always thought she was, like, I actually had a crush on her when I was a kid. I thought she was beautiful, and, um, mm -hmm. and I, I remember when I saw her, she had just literally cried all the, she never looked the same ever again, like, yeah. the, the motion in her face had cried out, wow. like, out of her, but the thing about it was because, um, you know, we knew who the killer was. Yeah. Like, you know, like you could work through some type of closure. I imagine if she had no idea who it was, it would have been, a, like, I can't even imagine what that's like. Mm -hmm. Just a, a dead child and no, 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 no answers on no the answers, other. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, man, listen, shout out real quick. Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. We're already jumping into it. Shirk Dog, I appreciate you even, you know what I'm saying, sharing your uh, your weekend with us or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's a good way to start the day off real quick. Yeah. Um, yo, let's jump into a song real quick. I'm going I'm to jump into this with my man Andy Minio, um, Still Bleeding. You know what I'm saying? I think it fits for what we're talking about right now. He's just talking about just the grieving process, the forgive it, forgiveness process. Now, sometimes it's not as easy as we would like it to be. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, um, I remember my mother told me when I was a young boy, when I was crying and grieving over one of my dead friends, she said, son, God heals a broken heart. And uh, and that's a process, and I still hold on to that statement till this day. So, yo, we're going to run to that real quick. Still bleeding. Andy Minio, DJ, run the track, them. <laughs> Took a while just to write this, well here it is I needed courage just to grab the pen The same weapon you infected me with I used to recite this That's my word, it's so ironic How these phonics are made of frequency waves that can stir Oceans of emotions and evoke them old things I need composure just to compose them Digging up memories I tried to bury Unlocking tombs that I bolted And I don't know if you'll ever hear me But I got salt in my wounds from the tears that resulted Every hurt shows we're mortal And every scar has a story Every story has a moral Every memory's a portal to the past pain And most of the time it's caused by somebody with your last name Like a running into a brick wall Is all your words crashed into my heart Me was being shoved in somebody else's mouth. Don't you touch me, I'm disgusted. You should have just told me that you lust me. Trust fell out from underneath me, and the walls from the house we built fell down and they crushed me. Walking on stilts, losing my balance. Your words are so filth, you don't even know the damage. God used words to create this planet, so be careful with them. It isn't even really what you said, it's what you didn't. I left texts and voicemails, you acting like you missed them. I got confirmation they delivered. You spoke silence, you just gonna stay quiet like I ain't existed. Well, look at our thing shifted At first you blew kisses, now you want some old slickness And I ain't even got it inside me to get forgiveness I gotta find it at the place where he said it's finished Yeah, you tried to kill me with your words But now I use words to make a living with a DJ Oh, how the tables turn So I'ma use mine to point people to the Savior The one who speak life to the dead and they wake up huh. Sticks and stones may break some bones And some words scar forever Your heart forever make it hard to get up Hurt people, hurt people, see How your words crashed into my heart What was so minor to you Was so major to me And all I wait for Was like sorry Give me still bleeding I'm 
Yo, 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 welcome back to the Ville Radio Show where we chillin' like villains. It's your boy Jay Giulioli's, and I'm in the building with my man Shirk Dog. You already know what it is. Shirk Dog? Hey, hey. Yo, so listen, we back at it. That was my man Andy Minio we just listened to right there, still bleeding. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, it's one of my people right there. Shout out to Andy Minio. So listen, we're going to jump into it really fast, man. This Sunday at the Ville Church, we had a great, great Sunday. Um, and I think God was really faithful to us with an amazing word. And I got to preach this sermon that I thought was really, really vital for the church, for our church personally, but I think for just the body of uh, Christ overall. So we've been talking about suffering. Um, this, this Sunday, we went into a second part of a, of a sermon we started over in 2 Timothy 2. I just want to just hit you and bring you up to speed real quick. So 2 Timothy 2, Paul is speaking to Timothy from a jail cell, and he says two th- he says a couple things from him, but I want to focus on this. The first thing he says in the first verse is, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, right? And then in verse 3, he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So this Sunday, we wanted to go into sharing in suffering. Like, what does it mean to actually share in suffering? What is he referring to? Um, if you look through the Word of God, you see the reference of sharing and suffering all throughout the Bible. And sharing and suffering is actually one of the great unifiers of the body of Christ. Um, and, and when I say that, you know, what I mean is that if you look at the church and you look at the grievous things that happen where there's slander, there's gossip, you have um, churches against each other and just a lack of unity overall, I think that in that is, number one, um, us not seeing Christ in the cross for who it who he is and what he has done on the cross, not seeing that clearly, and also us not taking on the our identity and the calling we have to share in suffering as believers. It's it's actually believer 101 um, that suffering is a part of our walk. And so we kind of ironed that out going into a couple of scriptures. Um, and the first scripture we hit was 1 Peter 4. I'm going to just read that to y'all really quick. 1 Peter 4, 1 says this. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Listen to this right here, y'all. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God. And so what I, what I did, I just really wanted to show this. Number one, we're following Christ's example with suffering. So Christ walked the earth and he ultimately died on the cross for our sins. But it actually, because he had flesh on his body and the flesh is sinful and it's at war against the spirit of God, Christ was having to deal with fighting his flesh every single day. And the Bible, when it talks about him being an advocate for us, is because he's went through what we went through. He actually dealt with temptation face to face. He felt the mockery. He felt the pain. He felt his flesh ripped apart. But he also felt felt the cravings of sinful flesh and never yield to them by the power of God. And so when we talk about suffering, we all have flesh on our body. And this war that God has called us into um, requires us to actually make war against our flesh. And so when it says inside of the scripture in Peter there, when it says, um, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. I think we have to be sober. And sure, you can jump in on this too. I think one of the things that um, that is a stumbling block for a lot of believers is that we're not sober about where our flesh is at. We actually mm-hmm. believe that through our self-righteousness and our self-willed and um and through our own piety and all of these things, we can actually um, we can actually navigate the uh, cravings of the flesh. And well, wait, I, let me stop you right there. Go for it. Hit it. So this is what everyone is thinking, and uh, is the biggest question when we talk about suffering. Suffering yeah. is the 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 least uh, probably the least prioritized thing of the church, right? Most definitely. Because people who are suffering want to get out of their suffering and people who are suffering do not want to suffer yeah so i'm just trying to get this straight for our listeners you're telling people that to suffer is to be christian and that we're supposed to jump in on suffering most definitely um what i'm saying is that it is actually um it's it's essential to the walk of any believer is to actually step into suffering willingly um well, how do you do that? that? I mean, that's the big question, right? 
It's yeah. like, how do you... How do you actually do it? Yeah. I mean, so I think the first part is actually digesting the, the, the fact that our sin, that our flesh is sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we kind of get in this kind of religious, in this self-righteous posture where we're like, man, I'm a faithful and good believer of God and everything yeah. else. That That is a setup for the devil to come take your whole head off because you're not aware of yourself. Like Jesus died on the cross to cover up our sins and our iniquities because the flesh is sinful it is at war with god that's what the bible tells us so when the spirit of god actually is in it when we become a believer and the spirit of god is awakened as we actually have this war going on inside of ourselves so that's my first stop for even talking about for talking about this war is to talk about the fact that we are at war with our flesh and we share in suffering because um that same scripture that i'm going into in first peter uh four um I'm just start from verse three. It says, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. It's saying the time for that is over. The problem with this is that a lot of believers are like, yeah, no, that's not me at all. I don't do that. I'm not about that. Right. Look, you take Jesus out of my heart, yeah. bruh, I'm out here wilding like, the last stallion i just made that up but you get where i'm coming from i'm orgies drugs all of that that's right. my sin nature that's what i came out of i'm busting guns you'll I'm, just take sin to the max i'm taking sin to the max that's what my flesh does and i'm aware of it and one of the gifts god has given me is that he's put my his spirit in me and now it's at war against my flesh but i'm not naive about my flesh so if i'm out and about and there's too many ladies around or whatever and i'm like I may not be feeling it that day. Like I might be, my eye might be wondering. I have to be conscious of my potential for sin because of this flesh in my body. Yeah. And at that moment, I have to lean in, lean into the Holy Spirit, yield to the Spirit of God. And, and God might be saying, hey, listen, it's time for you to go home. This right. isn't the best place for you to be. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make me um, a weaker Christian. It actually makes me being, it, it, it calls me to be empowered by the power of God yeah. and not leaning on my own flesh to try to save me or be naive about my goodness i don't want to be naive about my goodness Mm -hmm. i'm a scumbag outside of jesus Mm -hmm. and i need jesus saving power to save me like i have a wife i have kids i love them all of that but guess what as amazing as my wife is still uh, she is it's not enough to save me and keep me on the straight and narrow it's the power of god that saves me and and keeps me faithful to my wife and causes me to love my wife sure so So what about like the other people like for me, for example, that in a similar way, I have similar temptations, yeah. but not to the extreme. So, you know, people out there who are saying like, OK, that's cool that, you know, God's, you know, really convicting you of those hardcore sins, as they would say. But for them, they feel like, well, I never really struggled with all the like guns and drugs and whatever. Um, what does it look like for me to experience in the suffering? And that's where. I thought your sermon was really interesting because to the people on the opposite side, like, you know, you need a savior and without a savior, a scumbag. Yeah. Right. On the opposite side of that is people know they need a savior. And this is me, or I'm a prideful, arrogant Pharisee that thinks of myself way higher than everybody else. Yeah. Cause I think I actually do pretty good. Yeah. And I think I got my religious game together pretty good. Yeah. And so, when you hit uh, in your sermon, you went into the product, not the prodigal son. You went into the, uh, what was it? The uh, Good Samaritan Good story. Samaritan yeah. story, right. And who would you say were the two people on one side of the street? Yeah, so in the story, you have a, I believe, a Levite on one side of the street. You have a Levite and you have a priest mm-hmm. on the side of the street where they don't uh, cross to help my man out who's on the ground. Yeah, they're just talking about it. Yeah. Right. And I actually, it was interesting because that, like, really convicted me because I I read this quote this week that kind of went into that, and it said that the biggest divide in our country right now is not between Republicans or Democrats. It's not between men and women. It's not even between white and black. It's actually between talkers and doers. Mm. And right now in our country, we talk about everything, and everybody's got an opinion about everything everything myself included and i think my opinion is the best opinion by the way and we don't actually cross the street to help people 
Because yeah. I don't see a lot of people actually helping people. And I wouldn't cross the street unless God convicts me and I enter into their suffering. Because I'm on the other side of the street, like, thinking through, like, how they actually got to where they are. Like, what was the process? Was it nature versus nurture? Was it their own decisions? Personal responsibility? I'm thinking through all that stuff instead of just crossing the street and helping my neighbor and yeah. loving my neighbor. Can, can, I, can I hit you? Can yeah. I hit, jump on this right here? So Isaiah 58, um, and I'm going to jump in. I, I think I'm jumping in at verse 6 right here. So Isaiah 58, the context is basically the prophet. God is speaking through the prophet, and he's talking uh, about uh, the people of God, Israel, and he's coming at them because they feel all good because they like they're, they're very much the the people Jeremy's talking about, where like they they they're very self righteous. They think they got it together. They're coming to God with their offerings and their fast and everything else, and God is basically on some stuff like yo, this is whack. Like because you're missing um, number one, you don't see the sinfulness in your heart and. Um, and you're coming at me with these wax sacrifice, but you're missing the real sacrifice, which is actually laying your life down for your brother or whatever. And, um, and you're missing that. So let me just read to you real quick what it says. It says, is, this, is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked, to cover them? and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, right? Then I'm going to jump down this right here because this hits right where you was hitting that shirt, dog. Mm -hmm. When you get down to verse 9, he says this. He says, then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, now check this out. This is the, listen to this right here. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and then verse 10 he says, and if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness. You know, man, everybody's talking. Everybody's running your mouth. And even right now we see God expressing his, his disgust with it. He's like, kill the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. Go pour yourself out for the hungry, the needy. Earlier he talks about... Um, the oppressed, letting the oppressed go free, undoing the straps of the yoke. The thing is, is that the people of God he's talking about, they're actually the ones that are actually holding these people like yeah. this. Um, I think that's why we have such a messy conversation right now with politics, because you have people like, I'm for God, I'm for God. And then other people like, well, the side you're standing on is actually oppressing me. Right. And and now I'm suspect of the gods you're talking about. Yep. And so, and I don't want to start throwing political sides because I think it's, I just don't want to do that. But at the Throw same time, I want to deal with the heart that's in it, though, where it's like, as believers, this is it. The reason we spend time pointing the finger and speaking wickedness, because we, we're, we're tired. Everybody's getting on our nerves because they're not moving the way that we want them to move. But God is actually saying, go pour yourself out. And if we go back to the gospel, we're dealing with a God who died for filthy, wretched, guilty people. Mm -hmm. So how do we look like sizing up who should receive our charity when we've been lavished with mercy and forgiveness? So God is like, I, I don't even care who's all guilty and all that. Like, go pour yourself out and get off that side that's just talking and pointing fingers. And like, and I mean, I even see it in our city, man. Like, it grieves me when I see people looking at um, certain parts of our city. We're seeing that so many, um, we got so many fatherless homes inside of our black communities in the city. And then I look inside of like, you know, the news and I look at the comments on it and people are like, yeah, these people's mothers, this and that, yo, they need to lock all these kids in jail and everything. And everybody's running their mouth. And I'm like, yo, show up and do something. You right. know what I'm saying? Like show up and pour yourself out if you really care about this city, because yeah. at the end of the day, it's not a, it's not a white city and then a black part of the city like it's all of our cities and yeah. now i see everybody getting kind of up in arms because somebody then got shot up at the landing man that happens inside of the hood every single day every day and people are having to deal with it and go through that trauma and these kids are i you know i work in the school system and serve in the school system and and man i, I see kids freaking starving going through all type of stuff and all they need is somebody to come pour themselves out and just 
be there and mm -hmm. be present yeah. and lavish them with love. Maybe they are in a gang. Maybe they are actually a kid that is on the bad side of things. But, bro, I was the same thing, same way too, man. I was in high school robbing, stealing, selling guns, going in and out of juvenile. And I'm a believer today because of somebody's prayers, somebody still speaking life into me, somebody taking the long walk with me. And, man, we, we got to get off the side of the talkers. It's, yeah. it's whack, and we got to share in suffering. Because it is suffering to put your life on the line and step step in and hurt people. Right. People will disappoint you. Um, the people you feed will turn around and slap you right in your face, and it happens. And that's why we can't get our identity from nobody but Christ. Because this is not about getting a pat on the back for sharing and suffering. It's a it's something that we do unto Christ and unto the Father because He lavished His love on us. Right, man. That's good stuff, Jay. It the the first thing we hope anyone listening to this would ask themselves is what does it look like to step into suffering? Uh, we don't, we don't know for you what that looks like, but God actually does. And I think if we all seek him, he's going to reveal to us what it looks like to step into suffering because we all know there's suffering all around us. And instead of encasing ourselves, so we don't even experience that, man, what does it look like for you actually to step into suffering. So I'm going to play my song right now. It's my guy. He's a guy from France. His name is M83, and it's a song called um, Echoes of Mine. And basically, when I hear this song, I just think of, uh, it, it starts off, it's kind of low-key. It has, like, this French person talking. And it, to me, it's like when you're on the side of the street, and everyone's talking, and at some point, you're like, oh, my gosh, we're all talking. We don't ever stop talking, and it just becomes... Like, you don't even hear it anymore. It's just a white noise. But then it hits hard in the song, and it makes me dream of, like, what is it? what would it look like to actually help people in need? What would it actually look like to, to love the oppressed and actually to serve the widows and orphans in the city and to jump into that with Christ? And I don't know. For you listening, I hope when you hear this song, it gives you hope, thinking, man, it, there's a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God that we're missing when we don't step into suffering and then when we actually get to do that we get to see Jesus move and the Holy Spirit move here on earth and it's amazing so here it is M83 yeah. Echoes of Mine hit it je commence à peine à entrevoir la nature lorsque tout d'un coup la nuit tombe. Je suis plongé dans le noir et le silence, pourtant je n'ai pas peur. Je m'en offre quelques minutes tout de plus et quand je me réveille, le soleil est là et la forêt brille d'une lumière éclatante.
j'ai 20 ans. Et j'aime comme je n'ai jamais aimé. This is The Ville Radio, sponsored by The Ville Church. We meet at 10.30 on Sundays on Liberty and Confederate. Check us out. This is Pure Radio, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. And that was my man, M83, Echoes of Mine. I almost sprinted out the building because that song gets me so hype. I don't know why, but I think about the kingdom of God and how amazing it's going to be all marching together as brothers and sisters under one God in this perfect kingdom, in this perfect city. And it also makes me just dream big for our city, Jay. Like, what does it look like to love the loveless? And what does it look like to give hope to the hopeless? I mean, yeah, this city's desperate for it. It is, man. I, you know, I got a verse. When, we, when the song was playing or whatever, I thought of a verse. And... Um, I think just kind of goes in with the whole topic of suffering and our willingness to suffer. Um, so 2 Corinthians 1, 4 says this. It says, it, says that, it says that God comforts us in all our affliction, affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, I think one of the big things there, like we started talking a little bit about the Good Samaritan story earlier, right? So in the Good Samaritan story, if you're unfamiliar, and I'm pretty sure most of you are, if you're unfamiliar though, like in the Good Samaritan story, you have a person who is on the side of the road, bloody, beaten, they fell victims to some robbers or whatever the case may be, right? And so you have these other people that pass on the side of the road and don't help them. And then there's this one person that comes and he helps them, um, bandages up his, his wounds and then he takes him to a hotel and everything and he's like you know I'm on a business trip type of deal and but take care of him and when I come back I'll pay you whatever needs to be paid to take care uh, to, to nurse my man back to health or whatever you know one of the things about that story and I use it so much when I preach because I think it gives a picture of um, I think it communicates very well the heart that God is actually um, looking for in his people and and um and so the one guy sacrifices his time he sacrifices his money um and he shares in suffering i'm sure that wasn't convenient for him but he shares in suffering to see somebody made whole and i just think that you know and like when i read second corinthians 1 4 and it's talking about us um you know comforting people in their affliction with the comfort that we've received like i think one of the big problems today sure dog is like people look at the broken when they look at people that are considered the lowly of society they don't see themselves no. as those those people they but see people lower than them. yeah they see people as lower than them or they see them as some type of you know some type of charity case to go help project. out with the project to make them look good or whatever but the fact of the matter is we are all that person on the side of the road in the Good Samaritan story. And, and God, he could have been on his way. He didn't put us on the ground. He could have been on his merry way, but he comes. And not only does he saves us, he sends his son. And, and, and the wrath that's due to us for our sin, he, he puts it all on his son, Jesus. And then he gives us his resume as, as being perfect and pure. And so I'm just trying to press upon you how crazy it is the love that we receive from God. Yeah. But we're looking at people that are clearly like society is eating them alive. And we go, no, nah, look at that person or whatever the case may be. Um, I know I'm jumping off subject, but yesterday I was on Facebook. And I saw this video where I don't know where it was at, but this uh, police officer comes to give this lady some money for Christmas. Yeah. The lady answers the door. She's in a gown. Her hair's crazy all over, over the place. And she just kind of was moping to the door. And she was like, hello, you know? Yeah. And he's like, hey, I'm from the police department. Mm -hmm. We heard that your family's struggling. And um, and we, we wanted to just bring this over to bless you. Mm -hmm. Amazing, heart-touching video, right? Yeah. Bro, when I go down through the comments, people are like, man, I'm just crying looking at this. Right. And then I see somebody saying, man, like she couldn't get dress better than that or and said something about their hair brother <laughs> i wanted to come through the computer screen and do do put somebody in the full nelson real quick right yeah. man but it, like on the series though it broke my heart because i just was like are you serious like like the the coldness and the meanness that is our flesh even mine like yeah. i don't even have a right to go choke the person that made the comment because of 
the grace and mercy I've been lavished with. Right. So it's this thing where the gospel, what we carnally would call fair scales, he shakes it up. It's crazy how the internet, it just, you can fake however you want person to person. Yeah. But man, when you get on the internet and you feel like you're invisible and untouchable and say what you really are feeling, that's where, that's where your true colors actually show in yep. a lot of ways. And whether it's like promoting yourself in a way that's not actually true, like you got everything is together, everything's all good, you're living the high life, or when you want to say things about other people, whatever, because there's no filter and there's no consequences to anything you say because you can just turn off the computer and walk away or turn off your phone and walk away from it, which is crazy. But I was thinking about it because I, I honestly think in our city it's really hard for people to believe that there is guilty and is, there is um, needing of the gospel as someone who's on the streets yeah, or yeah. someone who's like a crack you know, addict or yeah. whatever. Or a prostitute, whatever and the case may be. I heard something that was really good the other day uh, that I was thinking about actually using the sermon this week, but I'll just use it now. So basically they said that there are definite differences in people and what they're actually pursuing and – um, doing things that are good unto the Lord and things that are like sinful and wicked. And they can be as different as the top of Mount Everest to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. So it's this huge gap, right, in how they're living their life. But on the scale of God's holiness, it'd be like looking at this Mariana Trench at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and at the top of Mount Everest, you know, in the Himalayas from another planet, yeah. which it it's all even. You yep. can't tell a difference because compared to God's holiness, we've all fallen short and we're all guilty. And so when we see it, we think, oh yeah, I'm here, they're there, they need to step their game up, they need to get their life together, mm -hmm. they need to make better choices. Yeah. But when we understand our position from God's angle, which is the only position that matters, is we're all desperate and we're all in sin and we all fall short of the glory of God because the glory of God is magnificent, perfect, and amazing in every way, and we have sinned. We've fallen short. So Yeah, you know, I, man, Shark, you're dead on, man. I want to add this to it, whatever, and this might be my little personal bone to pick or whatever, like, but, you know, I, the, what I've experienced just, like, you know, in my walk or whatever, too, um, and, and being involved with churches sometimes is that we put a huge emphasis on pray, praying and praying for revival in our city and everything else or whatever, right. which – we should, um, we definitely should, Yeah. but man, just like what we just got done reading Isaiah 58, man, it's like, yo, God is calling for us to share in suffering, to actually pour ourselves out, like us physically, like do the praying, yeah. but actually show up and do the work, because here's the thing, like when the Bible talks about long suffering, when it talks about patience, patience when it talks about the gifts of the spirit these are things that are supposed to be lavished on people and not people you deem worthy or deem that they deserve it because they're being lavished on us and we don't deserve it and the second part i want to hit at this too because i know our time is running 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 you know short but it would be an injustice if we don't touch on the benefits of suffering yeah he's right? not only called us to suffer yeah but he's made it in his economy, God's economy, as an amazing thing to actually enter into it. Come on now. Look, I got a scripture to set this off real quick. Second, Second Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are seen are eternal. So... This momentary affliction, which is ordained by God and is his will for every believer. If you think back and you remember when Paul came in the game and they were suspect on him, God was God spoke to the one gentleman. He said, hey, he is going to find out how much he must suffer for his name. Just like it was a part of God's um, plan for Paul to suffer, that is the deal for every single Christian to walk in suffering because it gives glory to God. 
you suffer worn against your flesh and you do that by the power of Jesus Christ and I know I'm talking quick but if you jump back this if you jump over to second Timothy 2 and in, in verse 1 like I said it says you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus so he's not talking about and then in verse 3 he says sharing suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus so the way you get your workout on to prepare to suffer is that you strengthen yourself in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This mercy and grace that has been lavished on us on the cross and given us this name of royal priesthood, this ministry of reconciliation that we've been called into. This we've been with the with the wretched, but we've been given these crowns and these titles of righteousness we don't deserve. You're supposed to get, you're supposed to lavish in that. And the power of God is actually in that for you to walk in suffering and to actually share in it and do good works unto God. But there's mm -hmm. a such thing as doing good works unto yourself. It's just called self-righteousness. People do it all the time. But that's not what he's called us to. And so just jumping back, the suffering, this affliction is preparing an eternal weight and glory. Shirk Dog, I know I'm preaching, but you know what it reminds me of? What's that? Remember, he told me the story about your investment. Oh Lord! You know, don't bring that yeah, up on yeah. there. So, like, it it, it it reminds me of you know my man Shirk Dog. Back in the days, he thought he threw he threw an investment. You know, he threw down a couple. You know, nice. What, can I say how much it was? Yeah, it was, he, it was my lifetime uh, inheritance. Yeah, basically. he threw down ten G's on an investment. Thank you, grandfather. Yeah, him and his friends or whatever, and they were waiting for the return. And so he was telling me, and this is what caught me. He was like, man. He said, yo, when we thought this money was coming back, we thought we were going to make crazy money. He said, yo, we used to call each other on the phone, and we would just be laughing. Like, we wouldn't even talk. We'd just be like. <laughs> wouldn't say one word. I would just call yeah. my friend up right when he picked up. He'd already be laughing, so I'd be laughing too, and we'd laugh until we hung up. Straight up, because you knew the money was coming. In the present, you're having joy because you know the paper's coming, right? Man, if we get hyped over some money, how much more for eternity with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the creator mm. of the whole world, our Lord and Savior, right? And so I don't in get the it, man. moment. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? In the moment, it's producing an, an eternal weight, and it's producing joy in the moment. And, and also, he's being proven faithful. First Peter 4, 19 says this. says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We are getting to know the king, like, on a more intimate level. We're getting to know his faithfulness, you know what I'm saying? And so, Our, so much beautiful man, things and suffering. When you us, said man. that the other day, I was like, man, our investment now, investment into the suffering now for God, the return on that, eternal riches with the king of kings, Crazy. eternal inheritance, the same inheritance we share with Jesus, the Son of God. It, it's mind-blowing. We should be laughing so joyously every single day in the midst of our suffering. In the midst of the suffering. Because what awaits us? It's crazy. Uh, our eternal hope. I, it's, I, I got something to add to it. Do I it. got something to add to it. So I'm going to hit Psalms 23 real quick or whatever, right? I'm going to hit Psalms 23, and I'm going to speed through this or whatever because I know the clock is ticking. But, man. Check this out. Listen to David, what he's saying, right? All right, we know David's story. Most of us do. We know the suffering he faced and the things he went through. We know the mistakes he made, and we know the result of it and the impact of it. But he still, he was a man after God's heart, and God showered him with mercy and grace, right? But listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So what's crazy is that he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, right? But he's actually describing the green pastures. So in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, God is actually lavishing him with this beautiful thing that feels like the green pastures, right? He's leading them in paths of righteousness. He's restoring his soul, right? So let me just keep on reading, all right? Some of us, let me just say this. Some of us are trying to get to the green pastures, right? But, but we ain't willing to go through the valley of the shadow of death, right? And so you end up in the valley of the shadow of the death, and you can't even recognize the green pastures. But David's actually walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and he's experiencing the green pastures. You do what you want to with that. But all I, what I'm trying to tell you at the end of the day is that we are called to share in suffering, and it's a beautiful thing because God is revealed, and he's in it 
more than we can ever imagine. That's where the good stuff is at. It's in suffering. That's what we're called to do on this earth, right? So let me keep on reading. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All that good stuff and all that revelation is coming to him as he is walking through the valley of the shadow, shadow, uh, shadow of death. I'm Yo, so hyped I can't even talk. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is the Ville Radio Show, sponsored by the Ville Church on Pure Radio, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. And, man, we are chilling like villains. That's kind of what we do here. And the reason we're chilling like villains is because we know we're guilty. We know we're the enemy. And that the one who is righteous actually came for the people who are not. And so we get to chill. And when we're in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of this broken world, bro, we are here right now experiencing God in the midst of it, the green pastures. Um, so we're excited. We hope that was a blessing to you guys. Uh, we want you guys to send us your questions about suffering. Suffering is a big, big deal in our Christian walk because a lot of people ask questions like, how is a good God allow people to suffer? Why is there evil if God's good? All this other stuff. And, you know, these are complicated questions, but there are answers, and God is faithful, and he is true, and he can overcome any question. So send us your questions. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, our Facebook is The Ville Radio Show. Um, we got about 150 likes right now, maybe 200 from our last show, and we uh, appreciate all the new fans showing up. And you can also hit us up at the Phil, at the Ville Radio Show at gmail.com. Ask us any question you got because right now we're ending the show with our last segment, which is called Fan Mail. That's right. Okay, so um, Jay, we got two questions this week. So the first one is actually to you. It's from Clueless Shopper, and it says, Jay, I know you're into fashion. What's hot right now? That's straight and narrow, you know what I'm saying? I'm a little partial ever since I own the brand and design it, but hit that straight and narrow.com, you know what I mean? They always got that fly stuff or whatever, you know what I'm saying? A couple other brands out there, my men, uh, my people forgiven, you know what I'm saying? Up in, uh, I think they in Chi-Town, and also Grateful out of New York, they got some hot stuff too, so that's the fly stuff right there. You can miss that. And Ralph Lauren is my favorite design in the world. Also, it's these cats, Brooklyn Circus up in Brooklyn, New York, that absolutely amazing. You should check them out too. Yeah, so Clueless Shopper, there you go. You got a few things. If you're asking me, um, I don't know if you ever heard of this thing called Goodwill. They got some fly stuff for pretty cheap, so um, that's where I shop. <laughs> anyway, all right, we got one last question for the day, and I think it's for both of us. Who do you think has the best rapper name? Oh. I already know mine. What is This is easy for me. Fat Man Scoop. Because... I've been thinking about that name for a long time, and I'm like, how did Fat Man Scoop get his name? Did he go into Baskin Robbins one day and they said, hey, what's up? What size you want? And he said, one scoop, but make it a Fat Man Scoop. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's dope. I, 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 I think I know where I'm going with this. All right, what you got? I think my man Ghost Face Killer, though. Ghost you know, like when Wu-Tang came out and he was wearing the mask and all that, like, I used to just be like, yo, who's the dude with the mask and his face always covered, like... It just was weird to me. And then when I found out his name was Ghostface Killer, I was like... What does that so, mean, though? I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't even matter. That's why it's dope. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, okay. for real. You know? so, Ghostface so, Killer. You know what I mean? That's Ghostface Killer. Uh, shout us out to Ville Radio. We want to talk to you, bro. Call us up. 